Welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV, the classic TV podcast where we talk about and celebrate and remember all things and everything classic TV. 55 years ago tonight, August 29th, 1967, The Fugitive aired its last episode titled The Judgment Part 2. The very first part of the final finale for The Fugitive, The Judgment Part 1, aired a week earlier on August the 22nd, and the very final episode aired the following week. Now, The Fugitive, very popular, very beloved TV show, one of my all-time favorite TV shows, one of the best shows, honestly, in the history of television. As a matter of fact, TV Guide named The Fugitive the best TV show of the 1960s. And I completely agree. The writing was superb. The casting, the directing, the acting, even the lighting was really good. The dialogue, some of the dialogue just still is absolutely amazing. And even the music in the background was wonderful. The Fugitive, of course, was the story of Dr. Richard Kimball, portrayed by David Jansen. He was the doctor falsely accused and tried and convicted for the murder of his wife, Helen. Of course, due to a train derailment, he was able to escape. And he was on the run, basically, not only trying to run from the police, trying to run particularly from Lieutenant Philip Gerard, portrayed by Barry Morse. But he was also trying to find the real killer of his wife, a one-armed man whom he saw leaving the scene of his house. When he got home, as he was driving home, and right before he went inside and discovered the body of his wife. The one-armed man, we found out later on, his name was Fred Johnson. He was portrayed by Bill Raish. I think I'm saying his name correctly. And Bill actually only had one arm in real life. He lost his arm in World War II. So that, too, really put a different spin on the fugitive, the fact that they actually hired an actor with one arm to play the part. And, of course, the fugitive, very, very beloved in my family. Now... I discovered The Fugitive when I was in college. But first of all, before I get into the personal, you know, experiences of The Fugitive of myself and of my family, I just want to get off into taking a look at just what a big deal this finale was. Because most TV shows of that era, they just ended. I mean, Leave it to Beaver had a finale, but it wasn't publicized. You know, some people probably don't even know that Leave it to Beaver had a finale because it, you know, it did was a nice way to send the show off. But again, the ending of Leave it to Beaver did not get any publicity. It just ended, but it had a finale. The Fugitive was something different because, for one thing, the show was so different. And people had followed this show for four years. The Fugitive made its debut on ABC September 17th, 1963. In the second season, it actually peaked at number five in the ratings. It really, really exploded when it came to the ratings. And that was actually the highest rating that The Fugitive ever received. The Fugitive always, however, for the entire four years, always won that Tuesday night time slot. It was on Tuesday nights, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central. There's only one time that The Fugitive did not win its time slot. And that was one time in 1965 
when CBS aired an hour-long special opposite The Fugitive about Frank Sinatra turning 50 years old. But it always was the most popular, most watched show on Tuesday nights at that time. During the 1965-66 season, The Fugitive won its only Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama. The 1966-67 season was the only season that the show was in color. But by 1967, first of all, David Jansen was really tired of the very grueling work schedule of The Fugitive. It was a very demanding job for him because he was the only one really on the show. He was the sole star of that show. And he was literally in every scene. Of course, he was in every episode. And a lot of the shooting was at night. A lot of it was on location. And uh, although he did have a stunt man, he did have a stunt double, a lot of the physicalities within the show, he still had to do. Like, you know, Richard Kimball was always running. And a lot of the running, David Jansen did himself. And he actually had a bad knee because he had a pole vaulting accident when he was in high school. And it twisted his knee. And so he had knee issues for the rest of his life. So it was a very demanding show to work on. I know that Barry Morse said in his autobiography that whenever he would appear in an episode, David Jansen was always relieved because that meant that he could share some of the workload. And that gave David Jansen a break, even a couple of days off. But he honestly was just physically exhausted from doing the show. Plus, he felt that really there was nothing further to do with the show because within that four years, they had really pretty much done everything that they could, all the episodes and storylines and avenues that they could go and use, they had done that. I mean, Richard Kimball had done everything from being a bartender to a truck driver to a maintenance man to working in a roller rink. He'd pretty much done it all. And he'd used so many names and so many aliases. He'd met so many people, had so many girlfriends um, off and on throughout the four years of the show. Uh, So when ABC offered a fifth season to him, he turned it down. They even at one point thought about bringing a son into the picture to run along with Dr. Kimball, either a teenage son or a young adult son, which I'm really glad they didn't go down that road. But um, by 1967... ABC decided that they were going to go ahead and bring the show to a close, a quiet close, since David Jansen turned down a fifth season. But Leonard Goldberg, who at the time was the vice president of programming for ABC, and if that name rings a bell, it's because he, along with Aaron Spelling in the 70s, produced a lot of really very well-known TV shows like Starsky and Hutch, and the Rookies, and Charlie's Angels. Well, at that time, he went to the bosses at ABC, and he told them, he said, we can't just end this show. I mean, we can't just bring it to a close. We have to give it a conclusion. And the suits were pretty much like, when I say suits, that I mean the execs and the heads of the network. Um, They were pretty much like, I mean, what for? It's just a TV show. I mean, nobody cares. But Leonard Goldberg basically told them, I mean, people are invested in this show. They care about the character of Dr. Richard Kimball. They want to know what 
you know, they want to they know, well, what's going to happen to him? Is he ever going to be exonerated? Is he going to find the one-armed man? I mean, we have, this is unfair to the audience. This is unfair to our audience, the audience of this show. You're not showing any kind of a belief or credibility for the medium of television. And so they really got to thinking, and he would not let it go, fortunately. So they went ahead and decided, okay, all right, we will go ahead and bring the fugitive to a close. We'll have a finale. However, uh, you know, y'all are going to have to, you know, sell this to the advertisers at the fall rate, you know. You you can't sell it to them at the summer rate, although this is going to be shown in late August. Sell it to the advertisers for the fall rate. And, of course, the advertisers were fine with that. They were on board. And so it was decided the fugitive would end in two parts. Part one, the judgment aired originally August the 22nd, 1967. And part two... The Judgment Part 2 would air the following week. And of course, there was a lot of publicity about the end of The Fugitive. I mean, it was in, it was the cover story for TV Guide that week, and it was, it got a lot of attention. And this was the first, because in those days, TV shows just ended. I mean, there were no conclusions to any of them. They just stopped. So this was something brand new. And honestly, The Fugitive was the forerunner, is the forerunner to all TV finales. I mean, if you think about all the TV finales down through the years, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, MASH, Seinfeld, Friends, The Cosby Show, Lost, and you could just go on and on. The Fugitive is the one that led the way and paved the way for all of those finales. Because it was definitely something completely different in television to actually see a show end and for the audience, the viewers to know about it ahead of time and for it to be so widely publicized. So it was a really, really big deal. Now, my family always loved The Fugitive. They big, big fans of the show. And of course, I'll get into my own story a little bit later on. But they watched the show from the very first season. And they watched it all the way until the last episode. So of course, I'm not going to go into what happened in the finale of The Fugitive because it wouldn't be fair. Because I don't know who's listening who has never seen The End of The Fugitive. I don't know who maybe who has not seen it in a really long time and they don't remember what happened. So I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But it is on YouTube, both parts together in one video. I watched it myself just last night. So I would definitely recommend if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, go over to YouTube and check it out. It's easy to pull up. Just pull up The Fugitive the last episode and you'll definitely run across it so uh anyway though uh in my family as i was saying uh the fugitive you know really big deal and uh they they were big fans of it and uh i'm not gonna you know i'm gonna give us a sort of story about what happened with them i'm gonna give the give the the story i'm gonna make it as brief as i possibly can but before i get off into that um When The Fugitive aired its last episode, 55 years ago tonight, it received a 72% share. 
meaning that almost three quarters of the people watching TV that night were watching The Fugitive. It really established the significance of the series finale. Like I said, I mean, it, it, it definitely changed the face of television. It really set a new pattern in regard to television. Actually, the last episode of The Fugitive, it had more viewers than The Beatles' first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Now, when I heard this, I was really surprised. I said, I, 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 really? I need to go look that up. So I did. I went and looked it up, and it's true. Now, when the Beatles first appeared on the Ant Sullivan Show in February of 1964, February the 9th, 1964, 73 million people watched that episode. When The Fugitive ended in August of 1967, 78 million people watched that last episode. 5 million more people. So it's true. The Fugitive did beat out in regard to ratings, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And it actually held the record, The Fugitive. Of course, even today, The Fugitive still, when people, their articles about the best TV finales, The Fugitive always comes up. It always pops up. And I'm not sure where The Fugitive ranks today in regard to like where it's, where is it, you know, numerically when it comes to series finales or episodic television. I'm, I'm not sure where it's rated or ranked today, but um, when it ended in 1967, it was the highest rated television show of an episodic television series in the history of television. And it held on to that rank for 13 years. It was dethroned in 1980 when we found out who shot JR on Dallas. That episode originally aired on November the 21st, 1980. I think 83 million people watched that episode, including, again, my family and myself. But uh, that's definitely for another episode for another another day, because that was uh, that was pretty exciting, too. But uh, yeah, The Fugitive still, you know, holds, uh, uh, you know, still holds a very significant place in TV history in regard to its last episode. Of course, the TV show that holds the record still to this day is MASH, which it did in 1983, had 106 million viewers turn into its series finale. So MASH is still in the lead, followed by Who Shot JR for Dallas, and then The Fugitive might be next, but I'm not positive. But it still, again, has a pretty high ranking 55 years later. Now, speaking of 55 years ago, my family, very excited about The End of the Fugitive. They couldn't wait to see it. Um, interestingly enough, though, my grandmother decided that, uh, that it was decided, I think last minute, that there was going to be choir practice at church. And so my mom was home from college, and she was actually going to summer school at home. And so my grandmother was like, hey, uh, you know, there's choir practice tonight. I want you to come with me. My mom was like, tonight? They're scheduling choir practice tonight? 
the fugitive ends tonight and you really want to leave the house? You really want to go out? I mean, we've been waiting for this for four years. You really want to leave the house? She said, oh, they are not, you know, we're not going to be there long. There's no way the pastor's going to keep us very late tonight. I mean, we'll be at, we'll be home early. I mean, everyone wants to see the fugitive and everyone's going to be watching that, including him. So, you know, there's nothing to worry about. So they went to church for choir practice. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's eight o'clock. And then it's 8.15, excuse me. And then all of a sudden it is nine o'clock and the fugitive was coming on. Everybody in church was basically whispering amongst themselves. They were passing notes. I've heard this story for years. And it's a true story. As, as funny as it probably sounds to you and as incredulous as it probably sounds, honest, honestly, this is the truth. True story. Uh, everyone was just whispering amongst themselves, when is he going to let us go? The fugitive is on. And I was kind of like, you know, my sister and I were, why don't y'all just get up and leave? And, you know, our mother, you know, let us know he was not the kind of pastor that you would, you know, that you would violate in that way. He was very tough. He was very hard as nails. Uh, you know, no one was going to walk out. Definitely not. He was not going to have that. He's the type of person to shame you and, and basically embarrass you and, and, you know, no. So no one was going to walk out. So finally, around 9.05, he addresses the situation because everyone is antsy. Everyone's impatient. Everyone's just really freaking out. So he decides to address the, you know, the congregation. Yeah, I know you all have the fugitive on your minds. I know the last episode is tonight. But we have other important things to tend to right now. And he just went on, you know, talking about, you know, what was happening with with choir practice. Finally, at 9.10, five minutes later, he lets everybody leave. He dismisses the choir practice for the night. Everybody ran, actually ran out of the church. <laughs> ran out of the church, hopped in their cars, and they all sped home. Funny thing is that he lived right across the street from his house. So he just walked right across, literally right across the pathway, and he was back at home. And he did watch the last episode as well, because he mentioned it in church the following Sunday. But uh, my mom said that her mother, never the fastest driver, and I can attest to that, she drove as fast as she could that night to get home. Fortunately, they were about five to eight minutes away from home, so they didn't have very far to go. When they got there, my grandfather was there and one of my uncles, they had the TV on, they had the door already open for them. And they were like, where have y'all been? Y'all missed the first 10, 15 minutes of the show. And, you know, oh, well, you know, pastor kept us late. And, you know, my grandfather was like, that's why I told you you should have been fooling around with him tonight anyway of all nights. I mean, you know, he would keep you late on a night like tonight. <laughs> but they got back there. I mean, they didn't even change. My mother and, their, and grandma, they didn't even change their clothes. They didn't even go to the bathroom. You know, usually when you get back in after having gone out, you want to change your shoes, change your clothes, go to the bathroom. They did none of this. They just sat down in front of the TV and watched the rest of the fugitive. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, every time I think of that story, you know, we always laugh. My sister and I, we always laugh because we've heard that story so many times. Now, as for my experience with The Fugitive, now, I had been hearing about The Fugitive all the way through, I would say, middle school, high school. 
And, uh, you know, our mom would tell us when it would come up, you all have to see The Fugitive. One of these days, you have to see The Fugitive. That's one TV show you have to watch. She'd tell us about it, and she would describe certain episodes. And it did sound like a really good show. Well, all of a sudden, I was a freshman in college. Uh, This was 1990. I was 18, and I was channel surfing one day. I I had the day off, didn't have any classes, and I was channel surfing, and I ran across David Jansen. I knew who he was by that point, and uh, it was black and white, and I'm like, hmm, what might this be? What, What is this? And so as I kept watching, the fugitive flashed across the screen. And I was like, the fugitive? The, finally, after all these years, this the, the fugitive? I'm finally going to get to see the fugitive? The fugitive? <laughs> the fugitive after all of these years I've been hearing about? So I sat down and I watched. The first episode I ever saw was The Garden House. It's from season one. It originally aired in 1964. I think that January of 64. Really good episode, by the way. Really good. It was an episode where Dr. Kimball um, worked for this lady and, excuse me, her husband and sister were plotting to kill her and get married. And it's, it's a really good episode. I highly recommend checking it out. It was a great way for me to be introduced to the show. Long story short, I fell madly in love with Fugitive. It was coming on A&E every day at 2 o'clock Central Time, 3 Eastern. Had not been on in years. The last time The Fugitive actually ran in reruns was 1968. Because ABC was airing it from, I think, April of 1967 until March of 68. It had not really been seen since. And so... um, That's when a lot of people discovered The Fugitive. A lot of people around my age, the Gen Xers, a lot of us, that's when we discovered the TV show The Fugitive was on A&E. And I love The Fugitive so much, I actually scheduled my college classes around The Fugitive. I was home every day in time for 2 o'clock to watch it. Because it was on Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock, and I was there. And that TV show had me on the edge of my seat so many times. It was unbelievable. Because it's like, how in the world did he get out of this predicament? How did he get out of this situation? How did he escape Gerard this time? How in the world did he get out of this jam? It was just unbelievable. And I have been in love with The Fugitive ever since. It's been 32 years And I am still very much in love with The Fugitive, which it does come on MeTV early Monday mornings at 2 a.m. Eastern Time, 1 a.m. Central. So I'm still a big fan of that show. I have different books and there is one book that I really want to pick up. I took a look at it the other night on Google Books. It is called How the Fugitive, well, actually, no, it's titled uh, Following the Fugitive. I can't remember the author's name, but I, the way he breaks it down episode by episode by the seasons, I, I definitely want to get that book. Um, speaking of the last episode, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with my throat today. I'm so sorry about my throat acting up, but um, there was an article in Vanity Fair magazine it was from five it's, it's, it's from five years ago to the date and it is titled how the fugitives heart pumping finale changed tv forever 
it's an article I definitely recommend you reading. You can just go and type in The Fugitive Last Episode. Type in Vanity Fair, The Fugitive. It'll definitely come up for you. It's a wonderful article. And it talks about how The Fugitive's finale, how it did change TV and changed TV history. And, I mean, it's still, you know, very much impacting TV today. Because there's still series finales. And those series finales, again... They all they go all the way back to the fugitive fifty five years ago tonight, but um, when I first saw the finale of the fugitive, it was about a year later. No, not quite a year later, several months later, and of course it was absolutely captivating. It was, I mean, it was just as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And watching it uh, last night again, I hadn't seen it in a while, but it remind it reminded me of what an exciting finale that that was. So it's not just the fact that it was a finale and really the first publicized finale in TV history, but it was such a good finale. So exciting, brilliantly written and acted, directed, um, great cast, great supporting cast. It was just absolutely wonderful. Um, As for my sister, she got into The Fugitive when she was older. So it was coming on A&E. She was like in first, second grade, and it just it just kind of went over her head, and she just didn't connect with it. But when it started coming on Me TV, that's when she began to watch it, and she fell in love with it too. She really, again, nail-biting TV show, keeps you on the edge of your seat. She became a fan, and she loves as much as I do. And we definitely wanted to commemorate the 55th anniversary of the last episode today. We definitely didn't want the day to pass without doing this episode. Again, I'm so sorry about my wonky throat, but <laughs> but we had to get this out there today. Um, as for David Jansen, after The Fugitive ended, he continued to work regularly and steadily. He had two more TV series after The Fugitive. He had O'Hara, U.S. Treasury. It was a Jack Webb production. It aired from 1971 to 72. And then Harry O, which aired from 1974 to 1976. He also was in feature films as well as TV movies. So he stayed very much in the public eye. He remained a very popular, well-beloved actor for the rest of his life. Sadly, he passed away on February the 13th, 1980 of a massive heart attack at the age of 48. He was so young when he passed away. And I remember the day that David Jansen passed because we were watching the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite and he announced the death of David Jansen. And I didn't know who he was. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had never heard of David Jansen or The Fugitive. But my mother was absolutely dumbfounded. She was so shocked. She really was pretty much out of it for the rest of the night, for the rest of the evening. Um, That hit her pretty hard. I would see the same reaction from her several months later when John Lennon was killed. Because these were, I mean, she grew up with the Beatles, grew up with the Fugitive. And those were, you know, big losses for her. Um, You know, pop culture and, you know, her teen years and... um, So she was very affected by David Jansen's passing. And uh, I was so happy 
when the fugitive did come back on and she got to see it again because she hadn't seen it since she was in college. Like I said, 1968 was the last time that she saw it. So she, our whole family, was happy to see the fugitive back on again because I hadn't seen it since 1968. None of them had. So I was happy that I got to discover it. And then later on, my sister would fall in love with it and they all got to see it. So we all definitely, that's one TV show that my whole family and I have always had in common, and that is The Fugitive. So, um, but David Jansen, wonderful actor, wonderful actor. He has such a way of just really reeling in the audience and really making you have a lot of empathy toward him. He knew how to garner that empathy and compassion from the viewers and people just loved him. He was very beloved within the industry as well. I mean, when he passed away, um, his fellow actors, very much heartbroken by his passing. I mean, there are pictures, if you go to Google, there are pictures of uh, celebrities at his funeral and they look so so sad, so very devastated. And uh, he, he was just that kind of guy. I mean, the crews loved David Jansen. Whatever movie, TV show he worked on, the crews in particular really liked him because he respected the crews. Every actor doesn't do that. A lot of people, actors, actresses, they look down on the crew or they disregard them, dismiss them, disrespect them. He was buddies with the crews that he worked with and they appreciated that. So he was definitely, he was, he was an awesome guy. And, uh, you know, um, definitely one of my favorite actors. One movie that he did that I really enjoyed watching, it's on YouTube, I think. I watched it about a year ago. Um, it's called A Sensitive, Passionate Man. It's from 1977. It aired on NBC originally. It co-stars Andy Dickinson, whom he also uh, was, you know, involved with off and on romantically. Basically, it's a story about what alcoholism does to a family and to a marriage. He portrayed an alcoholic. Basically showed how he lost everything, including his life. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie and uh, very realistic. And I definitely recommend, you know, you checking it out if you're interested. But as for The Fugitive, the entire series is available on DVD. And of course, again, there's so many great books about The Fugitive. So many good books. You can just head over to eBay, head over to Amazon. There's so many good books that you can buy. And of course, there's also the movie. The Fugitive, the movie starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, was released in 1993. Um, It took us a while to watch it because, I mean, I'm so partial to the TV show and to, you know, David Jansen. Uh, It took me a while to... you know, my loyalty <laughs> was to them, and I just kind of just really was not very accepting of the thought of there being a movie. Uh, but I did watch it, and it was it's good. It's good. Harrison Ford was able to convey that same, you know, he was able to, to draw the audience in, and he was able to convey, you know, uh, get that compassion and that empathy from the audience. He did a really good job. Tommy Lee Jones, you know, really good as a Sam Gerard. He wasn't, you know, Philip Gerard. Uh, his character was named Sam. There was one pet peeve, though, that I had about that movie. Still do. I hated it when Gerard called Dr. Kimball Richard. I'm like, bro, you're supposed to call him Kimball, not Richard. I still cringe at that. I mean, that's probably kind of nitpicky, but that's the one thing about the movie 
really the only thing about the movie that I just I just don't care for. But it is a good movie though. That of course it it too available on DVD, and they did diff- make different references to the original series within the film. David Jansen's mother Bernice was an extra in the film. Um, so again, it's worth watching too. If you've never seen the film of The Fugitive, it's really good. They also did a new TV series of The Fugitive on CBS in. Uh, 2000, between 2000 and 2001, only ran for one season. It started Tim Daly as Dr. Richard Campbell. It was good. We watched it. The family and I watched it. It was really good. Um, at first, you know, um, I was kind of like, I don't want to watch The New Fugitive. <laughs> I love the old one too much, the original one too much, rather. To, to, I don't want to watch a new one. But, you know, um, my mom was the first one to check it out, and she said, you need to watch it. It's really good. I'm like, Really? Okay, if you're saying it's really good, it must be. So she was right. It was good. I liked it. The family liked it. We were disappointed when it was canceled. It only stayed on again, like I said, for a season. I'm not really sure why that was, but it was really good. It was good. Um, Again, I'm still very partial to the original show, but again, I have to give props to the film and to the uh, remake in, uh, you know, uh, the CBS remake with Tim Daly. So I have to get, again, he too was able to pretty much make the audience have that sympathy for him and empathy. Um, I still say that David Jansen, he's still at the top when it comes to that. But Harrison Ford and Tim Daly, very good as well. So, um, yeah, The Fugitive, wonderful TV show. And, uh, you know, like I said, definitely changed TV history. And um, as a matter of fact, in... Um, the very first season, 1963-64, TV Guide actually awarded the show The Silver Bowl as the best new TV series of the season. And it also named David Jansen as the best uh, dramatic actor in a TV series. And TV movie Mirror Magazine named David Jansen as the best male star of the year. So right from, from the very beginning, from the very first season, The Fugitive was getting accolades. And those accolades, very, very much deserved. Barry Morris passed away in 2008, while Bill Raich, who portrayed the one-armed man, passed away in 1984. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of the people who guest starred on that show are still with us. You know, lots of guest stars on that show throughout the years. Um, and, uh, you know, um, definitely, like I said, one of my all time favorite TV shows. I'm so thankful that our mother introduced it to us and, um, so happy to be doing this episode with you all today. And I want to thank you for tuning in for this episode today. Again, my apologies for my throat. But uh, thank you for hanging in there with me despite that and for listening and uh, for celebrating the 55th anniversary of the last episode of The Fugitive. Thank you for celebrating that with us and for commemorating that with us today. We will be back, of course, with a brand new episode uh, next week. Something that... uh, well, who knows what direction we're going to go in. That's the thing about this podcast. You don't know where we're going to head next, but where we go next, we hope that you enjoy the journey with us. Again, thank you for listening and for your support, and thank you for being there and for your patience, especially with me today. And until next time, we'll see you all then. <laughs>